Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you tune in for the program. Why was everyone so against Jeremiah? Because there's this principle, the world loves sin. It hates those who expose it. When life gets tough and you're uncomfortable coming up against opposition, it can be tempting to quit following God. The prophet Jeremiah was having a whinge because he was over it, but he couldn't quit because God had put a fire in his bones, as he can for you. Stay tuned for Fire in His Bones. That's Dr. Corbett's topic tonight here on Finding Truth Matters. So this is, again, continuing in our Jeremiah series, Jeremiah the prophet who wept. And as we look at this, I've entitled this section, Fire in His Bones. Fire in His Bones. When I was 16 years of age, I'd come to Christ uh, aged 15. I had been going to church all my life. I'd been dragged to church all my life. I, I, I went to church. I could see no point. I would much rather be on a tennis court. Um, my life was, in, in my hands, was destined... For professional tennis. That was my career path of choice. The language is it had become an idol in my life. But in this instance, I'm, I'm wrestling with, with this call of God on my life, this strange feeling. I can't even describe it, but God was calling me to lay it down because he had a different path for my life. And it was reading this passage that gripped me as a young man and drew me to the character of Jeremiah. As we look at this, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help me to share this humbly, to share this with the intent of your word, that, Father, I won't force anything into the text, that I won't force anything out of your mouth into the ears of this people. But, Father, we would hear your voice today and that, Lord, in hearing your word, we would be transformed into the people you want us to be, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What do we want? What do all people want? As we look at this passage, I want to preempt it by saying that we all want attention. We want somebody to show us the time of day. We want somebody to give us some attention. We all want acceptance. We want to belong. It's reading, I'm reading a book by Professor J. Bujashevsky where he says that there's a, a longing in the heart of men in particular to belong to what he calls a platoon where they identify with each other. A, a, a tribe, a group. We want acceptance and we want people's approval. So those three things we all want, and Jeremiah wanted them too. He wanted healthy, positive attention. He wanted positive acceptance, and he wanted the approval of people. He wanted that. So as we look at this, I want you to notice in a moment, we're about to read verse 7, but I've got to preempt it with this as well. This whole section that we're looking at from chapter 12 through to about chapter 30 this whole section is Jeremiah's complaint. We, we are reading of Jeremiah making com, uh, continual complaints all through this section. And here's another one of them. And I want to remind you that Jeremiah has just spoken to Pashur, the, the chief officer of the temple. Pashur was the one 
in charge of the temple guards. You remember it was the temple guards that came out to get Jesus on the night that he was to be taken away, beaten in preparation for his crucifixion. And so Pasha was the one who was in charge of the temple guard. And his name, Pasha, means security and peace all around. And Jeremiah, having just been imprisoned by Pasha, his cousin, comes out of his prison and, and says to Pasha, your name shall no longer be called Pasha, but your name shall now be called Magal Mizabib. Magal Mizabib. What a terrible name. And that's literally what it means. It means terror all around. So it's a play on words. Your name will no longer be peace and security. Your name will be terror on every side. Terror all around. Magal Mizabib. Well, what we're going to see in a moment was that Magal Mizabib, Pasha, ridiculed Jeremiah for this and publicly denounced Jeremiah with this name and said, my name's not going to be Magal Mizabib, your name's going to be Magal Mizabib. And everywhere Jeremiah went around Jerusalem, people would whisper, Magal Mizabib, Magal Mizabib, your Mazal Like, how petty is that? And it wasn't just people who didn't like him, it was his friends, his brothers, his close family that were now denouncing and ridiculing him. How does he feel? It's in the heart of every person to want attention. Every wife wants attention from a husband. Every person wants acceptance from people. We want the approval of those that matter. Jeremiah wanted that. Don't read about this guy and think he was some hard as rock, flint, granite type guy that this stuff bounced off him. It didn't. These things hurt. And now he's about to make a complaint, but I want to show you this. What he said to Pashur, who he called Magal Mizabib, was very public, very public. And now he's got another complaint. But I want you to notice that this complaint is just him and God. This complaint is very private. Complaints against God or his people or his church should be very private. How much damage is done when people have a complaint against God or his people and they take it out into the world? Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He actually calls it a disgrace. So Jeremiah's complaint, here it is. O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. Wow. (laughs) You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. Again, you can imagine Jeremiah thinking, God, I don't get you. I did what you wanted. The way this works, God, is I do what you want and you honour me. Not cause me to be mocked. If I do what you want, you're supposed to protect me and look after me. I mean, after all, that's what God spoke to Jeremiah in chapter 1. He said, don't be afraid of these people. Don't be dismayed at these people. I will protect you. And he's 
now saying, you've tricked me. I've just spent days in a prison, manacled to the wall, chained to the floor, unable to move. You didn't protect me from it. You tricked me. And there was nothing I could do about it because you're stronger than me. Wow. You hear what's going on here? He's having a complaint. He describes his situation as being a laughing stock all day and everyone mocks him. It's interesting how your perspective changes when you're down, when you're tired. When you're frustrated, when you've had expectations up here, God, you said you protect me, here I am in prison. When your expectations are not met by your situations, it can lead to frustrations. Jeremiah was frustrated. I don't know that everyone was mocking him, but that's how he felt. Now, as we prepare to read the next verse, we're going to see what's really at the heart of the people's response. What is the one thing that all people love? And this is not a trick question. For Christians, this, this is readily answered. The word is sin. We love sin. We love it. Some people cuddle their sin. Some people hug and kiss their sin. Some people hold their sin by the hand and take it out and show it off. They do that in Sydney once a year. Some people take their sin and wear it as a necklace. We love sin. There's this powerfully shocking verse in the opening chapter of John where it talks about the word became flesh and dwelt among us and the world hated him. Because he was light that came into the world and the world hates the light. Hebrews talks about Moses forsaking the pleasures of sin. Sin is pleasurable. Sin is delightful. Sin is thrilling. Sin is deceptive. Sin is deadly. Sin is your worst enemy. And the Bible says no one outside of Christ, can see what their sin is really like because they are blind. And when you come to Christ, one of the first things that happens is he allows you to see. Once I was blind, but now I see. That's what John Newton the writer of Amazing Grace said. So, why was everyone so against Jeremiah? Because there's this principle. The world loves sin. It hates those who expose it. It hates them. It hates those who expose it. So we read this next verse. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout, violence and destruction, for the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision All day long, Jeremiah was feeling derided, put down, insulted, mocked because he declared the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord has become for me a reproach. 
Wow. Jeremiah was feeling hatred from people because he was exposing their sin. Now, of course, as a church, we, we don't want to be judgmental, con, uh, condemning in the sense of just, you know, being like the Pharisees. We harbour sin, but, on, but, but pretend to be really against it. That was what Jesus condemned. We don't want to be like that. But we want people to recognise sin will kill. Sin will destroy. And one of the kindest things God can do for you is to allow you to see sin in your life. And let me sort of jump ahead here. When he does, he'll also offer the solution to that sin. He can take it from you. He can cleanse you from it. He can deliver you from it. He can wash you and make you new. Sin is not your friend. Sin is your enemy. Romans 6 1 says it was sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was for sin that Jesus died. Sin is your greatest enemy. It's, it's a greater enemy than the devil, by the way. And the verse we're about to read, I've got highlighted and underlined and this is the verse that gripped my soul verse 9 and I want you to see this that when God gets hold of you it's hard for you to let go of him when God gets hold of you it's hard for you to let go of him here's verse 9 if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name there is in my heart as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones and I am weary with holding it in and I cannot. Jeremiah is saying, I want to quit, I want to stop, but I can't because you've changed me on the inside. You've gripped me on the inside. You've opened my eyes, you've opened my ears. I can never be the same again. I can't stop preaching. I can't stop prophesying because God, you've revealed your heart to me and I feel what you now feel and I'm compelled to help people to see it. It's like a fire. I want to keep quiet, but there's a fire and it erupts out of me. This is what Jeremiah was experiencing. Notice what Jeremiah's been going through. Insult, ridicule, mockery, ostracization. Remember what we all need? We need positive attention. We all want it. We want people's acceptance and we want people's approval. And he was getting none of it. And look at where he's on the brink now. He's on the brink of quitting. He's on the brink of saying, forget it, God. You told me you'd protect me. You told me you'd bless me. And this is what I've got. I want to quit but I can't because I love you. It's hard, but I love you. You've put a fire in my heart and I want to love you and serve you even though it's hard and I want you to know that I'm finding it hard. So here's the question and I thought, boy, if I felt tricked by God, if I felt that nobody liked me anymore, if I felt that everybody was speaking behind my back, if I felt like I was being mocked and ridiculed and scorned, 
would I want to keep going on doing the very thing that was provoking that? My answer would be, I don't think so. I don't think so. But Jeremiah says, you got a hold of me. You got a hold. There's a fire in me now. And I wonder how close Jeremiah came to throwing it all in. And here's my question. How far can, how far do you have to go before the enemy wins in your life? How far? Here's the question. What would the enemy have to do to you to diminish your devotion to Christ? What would he have to do? What would the enemy of your soul have to do to you to diminish your devotion to Christ? What would he have to do? Would it be persecution? What would it be? Would it be, let's list the things Jeremiah went through. Would it be mockery? Would it be betrayal? Would it be loneliness? Would it be persecution? Or, and I put this one in because this isn't in the list, but I think for me it would probably be success. Very easy to take your eyes off God when you're successful. But what would it take? You, you, you turn up at work or you turn up at the club, you turn up in the gym and you say, man, I just went to church on the weekend and I'm just so in love with Jesus and you get mocked. Would that be the end of it? Would that diminish your closeness with Christ? Would it? It's a question. Here's Jeremiah facing something probably I hope none of us will ever have to face. And the question is, what does it take to stop this guy? Because he says God has got a hold of his life. Listen to the next verse. He, he says in verse 10, For I hear many whispering, terror is on every side. That's Magal Mizabib, by the way. Denounce him. Let us denounce him. Say, all my close friends, there's betrayal, watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived. Then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. But Jeremiah is going to do something in the midst of this incredibly low point, And this I would encourage anybody who's really low. Here's the remedy. Here is a remedy. He never gave up on the word of God. The psalmist says, I was in despair because the ungodly were prospering. Then I went to the temple and I saw your word and your word put it in perspective for me. And Jeremiah has done the same thing. You see, the word of God gives proper perspective. What's proper perspective? An eternal perspective. You know, whatever you're going through now, the Bible describes in this kind of language, and it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. And whatever you're going through now, in the future, I guarantee you, we will write the story of your life, or someone will, and for whatever difficulty you're facing now, we will write, it came to pass. It's not going to stay. It's not going to define you. You get the eternal perspective. And that's what Jeremiah did. Let's read how he did it. We're reading verse 12. Sorry, verse 11. 
But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor, get that? Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. So here's Jeremiah. He's going, look, right now I'm at a really low point. But, but I look to your word, Lord. I look to your word and I realize this is not how it's going to pan out for eternity. Can we do the same? You know, it could be a moment of pleasure right now. It could impact your eternity. It could be something right now will shape not only your eternity, but affect the eternity of those around you. Have we got an eternal perspective? Notice what we're about to see here in the next verse. I wonder if you've got a Bible that's got sort of footnotes and cross-references and things, probably if it's a good one, they'll point out to you that this is Jeremiah actually praying the Psalms. He's, he's actually praying the Word of God. The Word of God says something, he's now praying it back to God. If you think about it, that's what all of the Psalms are. And they're meant to be prayed back to God. Now, I know for some people it's like, well, hang on, if God spoke it, why would we speak it back to him? Because it's a part of his design for how we pray. Remember, Jesus did this as well. On the cross, he lifts his eyes on the cross. My God, my God, who's he talking to? He's praying to his father and he quotes Psalm 22. He's praying scripture back to his father. Jesus did it. And here Jeremiah says, verse 12, O Lord of hosts, who tests the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. You see, now what is, what is he doing? He's seen something in the word of God. He's now praying it to God. Can you see what he's doing here? He's at a really low point, but he's not going to give up. He's not going to give up because something has gripped him. And I remember as a 16-year-old young man, just shortly after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that I read a book, The Life Story of Benson Ederhoser, a Nigerian pastor, who describes this experience as being his experience. And the book is called Fire in His Bones. And it's the story of how the Spirit of God got a hold of him and he was transformed into someone he was not previously. And it gripped him. And here, Jeremiah is now praying the Word of God. So Bible reading and prayer. And as we come to the last verse in this passage that we're going to deal with, I want you to see the result. Because Bible reading with prayer results in Worship. Bible reading with prayer results in worship. Verse 13. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. So you see, Bible reading and prayer results in worship. Let's come back to what Jeremiah and all of us crave. We all crave attention, 
acceptance and approval. Here is perhaps the most radical thought you'll ever have before lunch today. God offers his children attention, acceptance and approval. Gee, I hope that means a lot to you. When no one else does, when you find no other source of it, know this, God's offering it. Jesus, he doesn't just take select prophets now and place his spirit in them. He offers the Holy Spirit to every follower, every person who will say, Jesus, I want to serve you and I want the strength of your Holy Spirit to be able to do it. When I look at this passage I look at a man who experienced the occasional touch of the Holy Spirit upon him because that's old covenant. But we live in the new covenant. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. The Holy Spirit abides. When we get low, the Holy Spirit can be like a fire in us and kindling something afresh in us. Paul writing to Timothy tells Timothy, fan it into flame. Stir it up within you. That fire that God can put there. And it's that fire from God that when, when the enemy has thrown everything and the kitchen sink at you, that you go, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep reading God's word. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep worshipping because I love Jesus. And he's put a fire by his spirit in my soul. Oh, God, I love you and I worship you. And that's how Jeremiah finished. And if he could finish like that under the old covenant, what better can we do in the new covenant? Let's pray. Father, help us to be a people who don't give up readily, who don't quit, who don't ease up. Father, when it gets hard, when there are things that come against us, I pray that you would give us the grace to continue on. Now, Lord, I pray for everyone listening to me right now. Perhaps there are some who have never given their life to Christ. You've never surrendered to Jesus. And perhaps for you right now, life is really, really tough. If that's your story right now, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to surrender your life to Christ. Perhaps you're a believer and you've let go of Christ. Come back. Grab his hand, walk closely with him, invite him to have his way in your life. If that is you, you know that you've never surrendered to Christ. Would you pray this prayer, a prayer from your heart? Lord Jesus, please have your way in my life. Forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry. Help me to live for you. I pray. Amen. Amen. When God puts a fire in your bones, there's no quitting because it's his power that keeps you going. More from Dr. Corbett next week. 
podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Fire in His Bones, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.